In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, how to start an olive farm that can crack export markets. Olives are versatile, and besides exporting the fruit, you can make a variety of value-added products like olive oil, olive tapenade, or even olive skincare products. Animal production powered by Fumal Feeds is back. Dr. Francois van der Feyfer unpacks the correct nutrition usage to ensure optimal livestock production. Plus, we give away another thousand rand Fumal product voucher to a lucky listener. COVID-19 has compelled businesses across all spheres to adapt and innovate to survive and thrive. In our farmer development segment, FarmSol boss Aaron Kolle details how they've adjusted their strategies. After just two years, an AfriVet dip tank project has empowered more than 7,000 small-scale farmers in primary animal healthcare. AfriVet Director Vuyo Makapela explains to us the significance of this project. We also meet Alicia Kalikaran, a Gauteng poultry farmer. She now wears the crown as this week's soil sister, powered by Foodform Zanzi and Corteva AgriScience. Our book of the week as selected by our listeners is This Farming Life by Tim Sanders and our farmer tip of the week comes all the way from Limpopo. Livestock farmer Michael Marquella joins us to share his farming tip. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life from South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzanzi, welcome to episode 80 of Food for Mzanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food for Mzanzi. And joining me is journalist and co-host Duncan Masiwa. Thanks Dawn. I think you'll have to pinch me though. Can you believe it? We're already at episode 80 of the Farmers Inside Track podcast. A big thanks to all our regular and new listeners from all 90 different countries across the world. Okay, let's kick off the show with that promise segment about olive farming. Journalist Nicole Ludolf chats to Brioni Kutsia, owner and farmer at Morbrin Olive Farm in Robertson in the Western Cape. Thanks so much, Dawn. Brioni, can you tell us a bit about your farming journey? I got into farming because of my father. He planted the trees. He always wanted to be a farmer and he was doing an insurance pitch and basically he ended up buying the piece of land the farmer was selling. He grew up in Pretoria and he said he had lots of Lebanese and Portuguese friends and I think this is where his love for the Mediterranean and of course which is why he wanted to plant olive trees. My current role is everything. We are the farmer. We host tastings to bring in extra money. We often do deliveries. We are involved with the packaging, everything. We're a small farm, we're a boutique, which means we're small and we're poor, which is also not an ideal way to farm. They say if you want to make a small fortune farming, start with a large fortune. So bear that in mind. What has been your most challenging experience as an olive farmer? I think what you have to understand is that it's not like it is in the movies. It's really, really hard work for very minimal financial rewards. This is why you'll find that these days a lot of farmers need to tap into other forms of income just to sustain themselves. We do dinners and tapas lunches as well, and that actually brings in income for my partner and I. After 10 years of farming, this is the income we're finally getting via another stream. 
The problem is, is there a market for olives in South Africa, mostly in exports? Well, the problem is, is that most South Africans starting to change now, but didn't even know that we produced our own olive oil. Thankfully, there's now a trend towards supporting local, and that is now very prevalent. We came back to this country from the UK in 2012, and back in those days, most people were buying imported olive oils. These days, when I do tastings on site and I ask South Africans where they're buying the olive oil, almost all of them say that they buy local olive oil. So that's starting to change. Now, the problem with exporting is that it's often abused by the people that are bringing it into the country. So the latest one wants us to give 5% based on samples, wants to only pay us in 120 days, etc., etc. If you can find someone that's reliable and that you can trust in the export field, then go for it. But again, where do you export to? Europeans will buy European olive oil. Americans will buy Californian, Australia, Australian. So it's very difficult. It's a very niche market to find it up on. There's no specific cultivar that is the most lucrative. I think the best tree to plant would be for our sake in our market is the mission tree because the mission is good. You can have it for table olives as well as for oil. Do you have any tips for people who might want to try their hand at olive farming? have a lot of money to invest into it for the rewards not being financial but being more spiritual or living off the land and this for me is the reason that I do what I do. I kind of liken farming to Hotel California so it looks amazing from the outset but once you get in you can never leave. I think we take holidays if we're lucky once a year. So far it's been 18 months since our last holiday. Something that needs you, that's living. It's even worse with livestock but for olives you need to make sure that they're getting water. You need to make sure that the porcupines aren't eating the irrigation piping. It's something that needs to be monitored 24-7. Especially for exporting, look, we only export to Germany and that's with a wine contract. That's how we got in there. So we're still battling. We went into China and that went pear-shaped after we signed exclusivity deals. That would be my idea is to make sure if you do sign exclusivity deals, don't get bullied. This is what some of them are trying to do by saying that they want exclusivity and that they'll only pay you after a certain amount of time. At the end of the day, you need money to keep you going and to find the right export is always an issue. We've sent samples all over the world, never to be heard from these people again. And I think, as I said, of the 10 years, we've had one successful export. So good luck. What we're going to do this side is we're going to focus more on the South African market, which is now starting to be educated and supporting more locals. So hopefully this will continue to grow. I'll be here this time next year. Thanks, Nicole. And great having you, Brioni Kutsia. From olives to dip tank management, we're now joined by AfriVet Director Vuyo Makapela, who explains to us the significance of an Eastern Cape dip tank project that has changed the lives of more than 7,300 small-scale farmers. Vuyo, AfriVet has played an instrumental role in upskilling communal farmers in dip tank management. What is the one piece of advice you would give every farmer with regards to this? The practical tips for any dip tank that I would give to farmers and possibly maybe just as a comment, and that is dip tanks are a community setup that is built by government and the local farmers build them with their own two hands. Because it is an asset, farmers have a responsibility of looking after them for their own benefit. Ideally, dip tanks should be built near a water source. And the reason for that is for farmers not to struggle with those thousands of liters on a weekly or even bi-weekly basis. 
Now, dip tanks are often structures that farmers build with their own two hands. Any practical tips for the optimal dip tank? I mean, I've heard that dip tanks should be ideally placed close to a water source. Is that when building a new dip tank, it is important to build it closer and central to the villages that will be serviced by that particular dip tank to ensure that there is minimum walking by the owners and animals. I think it should also be sited where there is ready access to sufficient water because each dip tank needs or requires about 1,500 to 2,000 liters per dipping. Any site where the animals need to cross a river in which the dip will be washed off, especially newly dipped animals, should be avoided. The best site for the dip tank is on a level surface, away from dongas, at or near the top of a hill so that the animals only have to walk up a slight slope to the dip entrance. The exit race should also face up the slight slope. The dip tank should never be built at the bottom of the valley because it will be flooded during a rainy season. If possible, dip tanks must not be built where the soil is clay or muddy. Sandy soils are rather better. To prevent contamination of freshwater bodies, a dip tank should ideally not be within 100 meters of any water causes boreholes or wetlands. To reduce evaporation, the dip tank should be constructed in a north-south orientation. And lastly, in high rainfall areas, a dip tank should have a roof to prevent flooding, which will reduce the concentration of the dip in the tank. We also have a practical guide on dip tank construction and dip tank management available for only 99 rand a copy. That was, of course, AfriVet Director Vuyo Makafele. We now change gears and move the discussion from livestock farming to farmer development. Farmsil Managing Director Aaron Kole unpacks how they've adjusted their strategies at Farmsil to adapt to the challenges the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted. Now this week we're talking about the importance of being able to innovate, to survive and even thrive within the agricultural sector. But the COVID-19 pandemic has really highlighted a number of challenges in South Africa and the agricultural sector has proved its resilience, but we can't overlook the challenges within the sector. Could you maybe highlight some of the major setbacks new farmers are facing? I think COVID has affected everyone and not only farmers, not even small farmers or only large farmers, but really the whole industry. So it is important as much as we say we celebrate the fact that agriculture has really contributed and has been resilient. So you are right, there's been a number of challenges. Don, I can assure you, it has definitely not been business as usual for our new farmers. In addition to the challenges such as adverse weather conditions, fluctuating market prices our farmers normally face, you know, some of the new setbacks you know, now due to COVID that farmers face include not being able to access information, for example. In a traditional way, our farmers are used to you know, participating in farmers' days, in information days, but there is no more because of limitations with regard to the number of people in a group and so forth. So a lack of information and accessing information proves to be a challenge. However, also some of our farmers saw increased theft on their farms. And I also think there's been general anxiety among farmers, you know, brought about by the uncertainty that COVID-19 brings. Like you mentioned, that our farmers have proved to be resilient and continue to find you know, new innovative ways of continuing with their farming business. So I think it's really very important to highlight that there are challenges, but it's positive to see that our farmers 
also now are finding ways to live with the new norm and ensure that their business endeavors do continue. Business across all spheres had to adapt quickly and be innovative to survive and thrive. What has your approach been at FarmSol to continue to support the close to a thousand new farmers in your network? To be able to support such a number of farmers is really never easy. At Farms, we dream and leave nothing else but farmer development. And our approach has always been to remain in touch with the needs of our farmers and growing with them in partnership. We have been privileged by the partnership and support of South African breweries who have made it possible and continue to support these farmers even during difficult times of COVID and due to alcohol bans that they had to face. So we are really grateful for that type of support. The core of our approach is really around understanding the needs of our farmers and addressing those and doing that in collaboration with our other industry partners. And then in closing, would you have any advice to new farmers that are still facing serious setbacks impacted by COVID-19, but also just in general? You know, farming is not an easy thing to do. So do you have any advice? I think currently now everybody's adapted a new norm. And we have to always strive to look at how can we best ensure that we protect each other. But at the same time, we need to kind of adapt to the new way of doing things and not be resistant to just the old way. We need to embrace the use of technology, like what we are doing now, embrace technology, use technology to the best of our ability. So I think it's really about just embracing the new way and the new norm of doing things. Thanks, Dawn, and great having you, Aaron Kole. Be sure to check out Food for Mzanzi on Fridays as we introduce you to different farms or youth ambassadors. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens for CO.ZA or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Now for our book of the week, as selected by farmers, is This Farming Life by Tim Saunders. Farmer Tim Saunders manages to incorporate some writing into his days. And here he describes his life through the seasons. This book is reviewed by Food for Mzanzi Sinhalese, Citizen Journalist of the Year, Terry Ann Browers. Hi Dawn and Duncan. With the author of This Farming Life, Being an award-winning poet and short story writer, the book can be described as an unsentimental yet lyrical love letter to the land. The author takes the reader on a journey where the reader gets to spend a year with Saunders and his family on their farm. The book has a captivating five chapters, with four chapters being named Summer, Autumn, Winter and Spring. The author uses the seasons as a means to explore the joys and difficult realities of farm life. For example, he describes summer with shearing and crop harvest, autumn with trading stock, drenching and dagging, and winter with maize harvest and lambing. This book is a farmer talking all things farm in the most poetic way, thus making it a great read for all farmers as they get to read about their lived experiences through the eyes of a farmer. Thanks, Harry Ann Browers. To suggest the next book of the week, simply email us at info at foodformzanzi.co.za. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. 
Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. You're listening to Farmers Inside Track, South Africa's most downloaded farmers podcast, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. Drumroll, please, for this week's hashtag Soil Sister, powered by Corteva AgriScience. She is Alicia Kalicharan, a Gauteng poultry farmer. Besides being a farming force to be reckoned with, she is currently also on a year-long blended development program at the Gibbs Business School. Alicia, where and how did your farming journey start? My name is Alicia. We are based in Tartan, Michalisburg, in the western end of Johannesburg. We have a startup entry-level commercial broiler production farm in the poultry industry. We're currently doing 66,000 birds per cycle and are looking to increase and expand to our maximum capacity of 240,000 on this farm and perhaps later into another farm. What are some of the toughest lessons you've learned along the way? The thing I love most about farming is you do get to have your own management over your time. And I love being surrounded by farmers in general because they're a lot more optimistic and positive than most other people that I've met. I come from a hospitality background, so you get to meet the worst of people or the best of people at their worst, should I say. But farming's really changed you know, turn that around. And they're very solutions-based thinkers and they have a really never-say-die attitude. And amongst ourselves, we are just a big community, you know, where you're seen as a farmer first and everything else is secondary. And then finally, do you have any advice to other women entering the farming arena? I would say for anybody wanting to, for, for any woman wanting to get into agriculture as a field, as a full-time job, I think you should go for it. But like with all other industries, you need to research it, do a lot of work, groundwork in terms of knowing what you want to do and empower yourself with as much knowledge as you can and learn from as many people as you can. That will just benefit you later. It's best that you just give yourself that time to learn and always be humble, always be willing and understand that it's really, really a lot of hard work, but it's very rewarding at the end of the day. Just be brave. We as women are natural born leaders. So, you know, we run households and we run lives of our kids and those around us. And I know that most people think it's different, but the basics of what you need to run a home and run all sorts of different things at the same time is pretty much the same basic knowledge that you would need to run a company or a group of companies. So we can do it. We're natural born leaders. We have the traits to grow and be anything that we can be. So be courageous and at the same time, be humble and seek that knowledge where you don't have it. And once you have it, seek more because you're always growing and things are always changing. But go for it. Don't miss our farmer tip of the week from Limpopo livestock farmer, Michael Makwela. Next up, though, we have Animal Nutrition, powered by Furmol Feeds. Hop on over to Food from Zanzi for our interview with Gauteng livestock farmer, 
Kenelwe Rafesu. Kenelwe is a future-focused farmer who gives her animals all the tender love and care they deserve. And this week, Dr. Franco van der Feyfer unpacks the correct nutrition usage to ensure optimal livestock production. Now, Kenelwe Rafesu is a multi-skilled young farmer which farms alongside her father. She believes in the correct nutrition of her livestock to ensure that they produce optimally. She also indicates that Furmo molasses meal as her favorite product from the Furmo store. Now, Dr. Francho van der what is so special about molasses meal? I'm glad you asked this question and why services because the very existence of a company called Furmul is due to the development of molasses meal many, many years ago. I mean, it is made from the byproducts which becomes available when sugarcane is crushed to produce sugar for human consumption. I mean, the end product therefore consists of sugars or in this case syrup and fiber, both of which are carbohydrates and therefore molasses meal is an excellent source of energy. It also supplies various macro minerals, and other than its nutritional value, it has very good practical value to a farmer. And the first practical value at this molasses meal is it's highly palatable, and therefore it stimulates intake and ruminants. And the second benefit is that it is a great material to mix with dry or dusty products such as hay. Since its viscosity, or let's call it its stickiness, binds the feed ingredients together. Um, it therefore not only reduces dustiness, but also reduces the ability of the animal to select only the palatable part of the feed. Especially sheep and other small stock are very selective and will pick out, for instance, maize kernel from a feed if it isn't pelleted, or we can use molasses meal to mix these rations together and make sure that it's one complete mixed ration. My next question is, how can molasses meal be used on the farm? Molasses meal is truly a versatile feed or feed ingredient for any form. It can be used as is, as an energy supplement for ruminant animals such as cows or sheep and even game or horses, or it can be used in just about any farm mix. Already mentioned that it uses to bind ingredients and reduce the dustiness of a feed, but it can also be used for its nutrient value. So molasses meal is a good source of B vitamins, and also minerals, but its greatest use is in partially replacing more expensive grains. For instance, in a maintenance leak, all the grain can be substituted or replaced by molasses meal. In a production leak, we usually recommend that up to about 50% of the grain component of a leak can be replaced by molasses meal. And we can even use it in feedlot diets. And in that case, we can reduce as much as 12% of a grain with molasses meal. So other uses also include to add it to silage. And by adding it to silage, we increase the fermentation of a silage, thereby making a better quality silage. Or some farmers which prefer not to use the traditional meal-type feeds and rather prefer to make pelleted feed, will use molasses meal as a pellet binder. And then also it can be used as a medicine. And I say medicine in inverted commas because it's not really a medicine but we can use it for sick animals because it contains high levels of B vitamins and minerals. And because it's so palatable, it stimulates the appetite of a sick animal. Now, is molasses meal enough as feed supplement on the farm or do farmers need to look at other supplements and legs as well? Okay, so molasses meal itself is an energy supplement. And as I mentioned earlier, it can be used in different farm mixes or we can use it as is. 
we need to, however, remember that the purpose of a lick is to supplement the most limiting nutrient at that stage on the farm. So, for instance, at the moment, if you were to look at the grass on a farm in, for instance, the Gauteng area where Mr. Fesu farms, the grass is dry, it's pale, and it's not palatable at all. It even looks unpalatable. So the primary nutrient deficiency on this type of dormant grass is protein, and therefore we supplement a molasses meal, not only a molasses meal, but rather we supplement nitrogen. So remember, molasses meal is an energy supplement. It doesn't contain a lot of protein. So in this case, we would rather use molasses meal that has been fortified or mixed with a protein source such as urea and minerals and vitamins so that we complement the grass's deficiency. And let's assume the same scenario I sketched above, but think about now late August when it hasn't rained yet. So we will then see that there's a little bit of a grass that is still left over, and the grass that is left over is extremely unpalatable. Now, it's not only protein that's limiting, but also energy, and the two nutrients need to be supplemented together to meet the nutrient requirements of a cattle. And the cattle might possibly be pregnant even, so they have high requirements. And this is where we rather than feed a production leak, which again contains molasses meal, but it's mixed with a protein source and grain or energy sources. So in short, thus, it is important to make sure that we supplement the correct nutrients so that our animals are always fed according to the requirements and doing so, they will perform at their very best. Thank you so much, Dr. Franco van der Weyver. Great to have you with us again. And we look forward to our next engagement. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's super fresh, it's super soft, and it makes a meal a treat. It's super sure bread and super sure flour. A proud member of the VKB Group. From breakfast to lunch and even birthday cakes, Super Sure makes the whole family smile. Find Super Sure on Facebook or visit vkb.co.za for more info. VKB, for the love of the land. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Francois van der Feyfer, the National Technical Manager at Furmal Feeds. This week, one lucky Food Form Zanzi fan can stand a chance to win a Furmal product voucher with 1,000 Rand. To enter the lucky draw, simply WhatsApp us on 081-889-9032 with details about your favorite Furmal product and the difference it makes on your farm. That number again is 081-889-9032. Hurry, because entries close on Monday, 28 June 2021 at 3 o'clock and the winner will be announced next week. Food Mall produces superior quality molasses-based supplements for ruminants. These products include maintenance, mineral transition, production and energy licks, feedlot concentrates and liquid feeds. For expert advice on animal nutrition for optimal production and profit, contact Food Mall Feeds on 032-439-5599 or info at foodmall.co.za. We've just about reached the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track episode. 
But before we let you go, Limpopo livestock farmer Michael Makwela shares his top farming tip. My tip for the week is advanced breeding, which is what I'm currently doing. My love for cattle started from a very young age and from then I never looked back. In 2012, I started researching about the cattle that I want to breed, named Brangas and Charolais. I wanted to be a stud breeder, which is to have registered cattle and also to showcase my cattle at the cattle shows. And I took that step by doing more research about breeding cattle. Mentioned cattle were on top of my list because of their phenotype and longevity. I have now added Wagyu cattle and is the most expensive cattle meat in the world. During my research, I heard about artificial insemination. I decided this was the best option to take my project forward. So I went and studied this and obtained artificial insemination certificate from ARC. In Irene, I bought a cement tank to store the cement I would import and buy locally. I have now imported close to 30 different types of bulls, cement from USA and Canada that includes Argentinian and French bloodline. By using these bulls, I will be able to change certain characteristics on my cows, which include building a powerful maternal head that will produce calf crop that will thrive and gain more weight on grass than with dry feeds. Before I import any bull semen, I look more on the performance and maternal side of the bull because a bull can either make or break your head. That is why choosing better bull is very crucial. And Michael Maguela's Farmer Top of the Week brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food Form Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track podcast is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and of course also not forgetting foodformzanzi.co.za. From me, Don Numdu, Duncan Masiwa, Nicole Ludolf, Terry Ann Browers, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team, have a great week. And please let's keep each other safe during the COVID 19 pandemic. Corteva is in it for farmers, for good. As a company solely focused on agriculture, we understand the impact of climatic and soil diversity, the unique requirements of each region, each farmer, each crop, and the need for sustainability. To this, we apply our global mind. With 5,000 researchers in more than 130 countries, ensuring farmers of advanced seed technology and guarding growing investments through innovative crop protection. Local investment includes research facilities on par with the best in the world and the largest private insectary in Africa. Advanced genetic breeding is combined with intense trials, testing and refinement in different bioclimatic zones to bring forth the best in-class products. Beyond in-seed value, our on-seed applied technology on farm crop protection, digital and agronomic solutions are all designed to optimize farmers' productivity, profitability and sustainability. 
because by being wholly devoted to agriculture, we have a deeper understanding of farming, the needs of our farmers, and the country's need for farmers. This is what drives our researchers to find new avenues for sustainable growth. It is the reason for having state-of-the-art seed production technology on home ground. Our motivation for creating effective, locally proven solutions to protect land and crops with care for the future. This is the world of Corteva in South Africa. Growing progress, enriching lives, now and for generations to come. Corteva, keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.com. .co.za